Good morning, everybody. Gosh, that was beautiful, huh? Wow. So um, I'm going to have, guys, don't go too far. Come on back up here. I want to have Jess, Glenn, and my wife, Danny, come on up here. Guys, we want to send them off. How beautiful was that? Do you have that mic? Yeah. Where can we find that? We are going to pray for you guys, and primarily for your wife. That's awesome. This baby comes out perfect, as I know God's will is. So join us in prayer. Uh, Danny, you want to go ahead and pray over them? Just send them off. All right. God, we love you so much, and we are so thankful, Father, for... For Jess and for Glenn and for their family, God. God, thanks for your hand of blessing over them, God, the way that you have shown your will and your love in their lives. And we just pray for this baby to come. We thank you, God, for a healthy birth and delivery, a healthy mom, a healthy baby. God, we thank you for Jack and Joey and Evie and just for the great love that they will display for you and your kingdom, God. We thank you, God, that we can um, love them here and that their time away can be filled with peace and joy, and just um, we are so excited to welcome this child into your love and into your family, God. Pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. Yeah, so next time you're going to see Glenn and Jess up here on stage. We'll be welcoming the newest edition to the kingdom and to our family here at Grace. So, well, I'm excited to share the word with you guys this morning. Um, I'm going to share some things this morning that you've never, ever heard. And I mean that. I mean that. You've never heard it because I've never shared it with you. And in fact, there's some things I've never shared with anybody. And you're going to hear them today. So, yeah, I know. Pretty exciting. What a privilege. (laughs) I'll tell you why I'm going to share these things. It's going to be my story, okay? And I don't feel like everybody knows what my story is. And I've just been feeling um, such a great reminder from God and the Holy Spirit to remember the story that he's writing with our lives. In fact, remembering is a big deal with God. Remembering is a really, really big deal with God. He wouldn't have preserved his word over thousands of years if it wasn't very, very important for God, for us to remember the goodness of God. In Scripture, there's this word. And in the Hebrew, it's called zakar. And that's the word to remember. In the Hebrew culture, remembering was like far more than just, hey, remember we had pizza last week? Like, remembering in their culture to them meant far more. It meant that like it it, it actually crossed their lips when they were to remember. To remember in the Hebrew culture meant you were to ponder, you were to recite, you were to recall, you were to confess, you were to proclaim 
And God wants us to do that. He's always wanted his people to do that because God's hand has always been at work for his people and those that he calls to himself. And he knows, he knows that you're up against a lot in this world. He knows that you are. And he knows that your faith is going to be tested until the day that Jesus Christ returns. He knows that you are going to be faced with challenges. And what he has spoken about himself, what he's spoken about you, what God has declared as truth will be challenged. And he wants you to remember the ways in which his power has been at work in your life. The psalmist in Psalm 1435, 143.35 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done and I ponder the work of your hands. Remember, that's that word zakar. Remember. Recall to mind. Recite. Declare. Proclaim. To make a conscious effort When we choose to remember, when we choose to remember, because we do have to be super intentional with that, when you choose to remember, what it does is it increases your confidence, it increases your trust, it increases your strength for what lies right in front of you. There's this, and God knows this too, there's this momentum shift, and you're going to see this throughout Scripture, but when people remember the things of God, and then they declare it, there's this thing called a momentum shift that happens. You see people just start getting, that's right, God, you did that, and you did that, and you are my God, and you will deliver me again, and it's just this, like this momentum shift and you see this with David. Um, this is in, in, in Psalm, uh, or excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 17. But Saul's just, uh, David's just a boy, and he's just about to go against Goliath. And Saul, who is the king at that time, is like, yo, who, you little boy, you can't, you're, you're, you're but a youth, and you're going to go against this, this giant, this Philistine giant? And David then is like, Oh, yeah, yeah, well, let me tell you about my history with God. He's like, once there was a lion, once there was a bear that came after the sheep, and I went after them, and I took them down. I killed both of them because God was with me. It's like, yeah, that's what you see, Saul, but let me tell you about my history with God. Let me, tell, let me, let, let me, let me go back into the past and bring forward the goodness, the power, and the victory that is ours with our God. And in the same way with us, you know, that's what God's calling us to do, to remember, to choose to remember. And so what I want to do this morning is, like I said, I, I want to share my story with you. And the reason why I want to share it is, uh, is, well, God encourages us to do that. Actually, there's a, there's a lot of reasons I actually, uh, 
I know that the Spirit is leading me to share my story with you guys. But I want to read this verse uh, first in Psalm, or Isaiah 12, uh, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God, he is my strength and he is my song. And he has become my salvation. He has become my salvation. It's almost like, remember when, when you didn't realize he was, but he, he had became your salvation? Salvation is another word for deliverance. So remember at one point in time when, when you didn't feel delivered? You didn't know God? He became your salvation? And that's the case with me. God has become my salvation. Verse 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth and shout and sing for joy. O habitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So this morning, what I'd like to do is I want to make known God's deeds among you all. And what he has done in my life and, and with my story. With this story I'm about to share with you, it is a story of, of deliverance. It is a story of freedom. And when you look at Isaiah 58 through 61, you see that Jesus Christ came to set captives free. He came to release those that were in prison. He came to show them the light, came to show them a new way. And it was those that he saved, those that he brought salvation to, those ones that he opened up their eyes to the light and the way of life, the way of truth, the ways with God. It is those people that then in turn were the ones that would bring salvation to other people. Those people were called oaks of righteousness, and those oaks of righteousness, the ones that were once slaves, were the ones that were to repair and restore generations of devastations. The generations that come, they were to build up and to set them free. And it's because of their personal testimony. It's because of their lives. And the power of God at work in their life. So give me some grace right now. I'm about to share some things with you. Like I said, I've not shared before um, some things with anybody. And there are some things only a handful, a handful of people know about. Um, so I've not, like I said, um, <laughs> I have not... Uh, I don't own my story as much as I should, okay? And, uh, and so give me grace as I, as I work this out with you all. Um, before I say this, um, you're gonna, I, I want you to hear this, and I don't want you to think that deliverance um, for me and my story was absolutely automatic, I don't want you to think that I earned it. I don't want you to be condemned when you hear some of the ways that I've walked out in faith. 
because I believe that those are lies that you could hear when you hear this story, okay? I want you to be encouraged. I want you to see the hand of God at work. And I want you to be inspired. Because what I want to do is I want to show you what's possible with God. Amen? All right. You guys want to jump in? You guys want to hear the story? All right, here we go. So, I grew up in a wonderful, God-fearing household. My mother and father showed me and showed my brother and sisters, my brother and my sister, uh, what it looked like to have reverence for God, to have respect for God. So, we grew up in the Catholic faith, and we prayed every night. We prayed before meals, and it was just, this is what you do. We were taught and raised that you have a creator, and you have a God that loves you. And so, I grew up understanding that, and I'm so thankful for that. As I go off to college, I was filled throughout the years with a lot of um, a lot of questions, um, pretty skeptical of a lot of things pertaining to God. I still love God, and I still would pray to God, but I had a lot of questions. And in college, I was living in a very, very dark place. I, I was... I was impatient. I hurt a lot of people physically and emotionally. I was insecure. I was short-tempered. I was selfish. I was just not in a good place. And I end up meeting Danny, and Danny and I started dating right at the end of college, okay? And so this was in 2007. We dated for about a year, and you have me, a Catholic kid with a whole bunch of issues, and you have this Jewish girl, and God brought us together. And, <laughs> yeah, God, this is so wonderful. And so we dated for a year, and it was hell. It was not good. It was not good. It was not good at all. It was not good for a lot of reasons. I was in a position at that point where I was just so far from God. On the outside, everything looked really, really, really good. On the outside, I had an amazing job. As soon as I graduated school, Division One athlete gets a great job, driving a nice car, beautiful girlfriend, um, in my circle of friends at the time, uh, I, I was close with a lot of professional athletes, so we would be in the city, 
Um, and just everywhere we went, it was celebrity status. It's things that people like see on, you know, TV and magazines, and they wish they could have that lifestyle. And I had it, and it still wasn't enough. And I have this girlfriend that I told you I had been praying when I was younger. The one prayer, just so you know, that I, I recall praying as a little boy every night is that God would give me the woman of my dreams. And God gives me this woman of my dreams, and I am pushing her away because of who I was, because of the choices I was making. I want you to understand something. When I say that I was in darkness, I mean it. I mean it. I was addicted to pornography since I was a little boy. I was addicted to masturbation since I was a little boy. I was heavily involved in alcohol abuse all throughout college, involved in drug abuse all throughout college. We thought pills were wonderful. And I'm in this position where I have everything from the outside looking in, but inside, I'm an absolute wreck. Dallas Willard puts it like this. He says, you know, God's address is at the end of your rope. (laughs) You know, and I remember just the battles that Danny and I went through, primarily because of me. I was unhappy with myself insecure, frustrated, couldn't figure it out on my own. And just like so many things in life prior to this, it's like you just work harder and you'll get it, you know. But this was just not it. I couldn't figure out why we were on these highs and lows, why it was just this emotional roller coaster. And God's precious daughter, Danny, had enough of me. I was a wreck. In fact, she left, like packed up her car and drove away, like gone, back home. She did that three times. And on the third time, I just remember, I I was just standing in my folks' driveway, and I just like broke down. I'm like, there she goes again, and this is it. This is it. She's gone. This is the woman of my dreams, the answer to God's prayer. And she's gone. She's out of here. I just remember my dad came out uh, on the driveway and didn't really know what's going on. I just jumped into his shoulder and I just started bawling. Just like, how could I blow this again? You remember that? Yeah. How could I do this? And I was like, man, I need to make some changes. Because what I got going on right now, it ain't working. I know I need God. That's the only thing I can think of (laughs) because I've tried all these other things. I've tried drinking harder. I've tried being better. It doesn't work. And so I go to Danny and I say, Danny, 
I need to make some changes in my life. I need God in my life. And I don't even know what that means, but I just know I need him because there's something out there that is far greater than what I can grasp, and I believe that that's like my last hope in terms of being anything for you, for myself. And if we're going to be anything together, we got to be on the same page regarding God. That's all I know. I don't know what religion's best. I don't know if it's Judaism. I don't know if it's Catholicism, Lutheran, Baptist, Muslim. I don't know. I just don't know. But I believe that this thing called the Bible is a pretty good place to start. And so, Danny and I committed ourselves to reading and understanding God's Word. And although we are far away from fully understanding all of God's Word, um, we started. And we started reading God's Word with large amounts of skepticism, a lot of questions. But in God's Word, it's never just a, just a read the verses. It's a it requires reading and action. And so, along the way, we started reading God's word, and we started applying. We started acting on it. Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he will make your path straight. All right, God, that's what you said in your word. That's what we read. We were waking up every morning to read his word. We, made, we were very intentional with it. For me, this was life or death for me. I mean, this is like, this is it. I got to know God's word, and I don't want to take anyone's word for it. I got to know what's right. I got to know if there's a God out there and what this means. Because there's a lot of people out there that are sold out for this thing called the gospel and for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to know more about that. I do, personally. And so we started reading. We started praying on little things. And we would see God show up time and time again. And we're like, man, there's something to this. I mean, I'm talking like super awkward. We're just holding hands like, okay, God, you said to pray. Uh, God, um, we pray for um, a good place to go out to eat tonight. Amen. <laughs> like, it just started that awkward. And, uh, and obviously the prayers developed, the heart developed. But what happened was we started seeing that there was no set religion that God was after that's deemed as right or doctrine that was right. But what it was is what he had desired was a personal relationship to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And that he gave us this thing called Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit was power to be able to do the things that we could not do on our own. Ding, 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 ding. Wow. That's what I needed. Because I... I've always wanted to do the right thing. I never wanted to be trapped in those sins. I never wanted to be trapped, enslaved 
to the desires of pornography or masturbation or alcohol abuse or drug abuse. Never wanted that. But when that feeling came, it just took me over. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Do you know how much shame, guilt, and condemnation comes with that, living with that? That you pray to God and you want to, everyone wants to be right before God, but knowing that you are just trapped in that sin and you keep falling short and it's disgusting, it's nasty, the things that you say and do when you're on those things. Just not, it's just not good. You don't feel pure. Whether your heart can put the finger on it or not, that's what is felt. Shame, guilt, condemnation. But we got to see God just work. We gave him a little bit. We were very intentional. We gave him a little bit every morning. We said, I want, I want more. We're going to read scripture. We're going to read, we're going to pray, we're going to talk to you. And what God started doing was amazing. He started healing my heart, my mind. He started working in Danny and I together to be one flesh as he had desired. The, and believe me, I had to make a choice on this one, but... 2009, there was no more pornography, no more masturbation. Just, ugh, done, done, done with that. I choose that God, and it's the Holy Spirit that I'm counting on to give me the power to say, nah. And that was it. That was the last time. Totally freed from an area of sin that I had been trapped in my entire life. Now, see, I said there is a choice you have to make. You have to choose God's way above what you're doing. And you're going to have to keep making that choice. Even though, for me, like I said, it wasn't instant. Like, wasn't I just walked into church and it just, like, off me. You have to choose and you have to commit to God's way. And by faith, you have to stand on that. By faith, God, I believe your way is better than the stuff I'm doing right now. Your way is better. And I'm going to need help, God. And I promise you, he will help you. That's the power of Jesus Christ. Active and alive in your life. And he played that out. Absolutely, he played that out. But like I said, I didn't earn it. So he heals my heart, heals my mind. And let me say, when you're trapped in that stuff, you could just be walking down the street and you have these things come to your mind. You're like, where did that come from? It's because it's in you. It's darkness in you. Then you feel shame that you felt like that or you thought like that. Then you start taking that on as your identity, that that's who you are. You're not good enough. That's disgusting. You shouldn't be having those thoughts. What's wrong with you? Ah, messed up. These are thoughts I had. 
God's like, I want to set you free from that. And so, God healed us. Healed me from that. Again, healed my heart. Healed my mind. In big ways. And then as we, Danny and I, continue in our faith, I mean, you've got to keep in mind, I was that guy who was coming in these doors in 2008, still drunk from the night before. I was in a seat right here. I remember I had to tuck my head between my knees because I was laughing so hard at people in this room. I had no idea. I was so deceived. I'm telling you this story because you've got to understand that I didn't just go to seminary and dream about being a pastor. Some have that dream, and that's awesome. That was never, ever what crossed my mind. But when I say he takes lives from darkness and transfers them into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his beloved son, I promise you that is truth. That is truth. That's why I'm standing here. That's why I preach the way that I preach. That's why I get so excited. And that's why sometimes I get super intense because I know the stuff that you're in and I know the lies that occur and the lies that you're hearing. I know the schemes of the enemy because I've been in them. I've been in those traps. And it's not a game. God wants you free. He wants you free. And it's not just a one-time deal that you make a decision and make a choice. And God sets you free from everything. There's a constant purification that happens. There's continued sanctification, continued deliverance into more of that holy lifestyle that he desires you to have. And just because I told you those things and God has worked miraculously back then, he's still doing it. He's still doing it. See, I get to testify about the power of God because we've trusted him. By faith, we trusted him. By faith, Danny could not have kids. By faith, that's what the doctor said. By faith, we prayed to God. And we said, God, what do you want? We know that your will is going to come to pass. We're praying into that. God, this is a big deal, having kids. That's a desire on our hearts. God, show us what you want. Danny and I prayed on that together. Three days later, we come back together, and I say, babe, what did God put on your heart regarding kids? Keep in mind, the doctors told her that she could not have children unless she had a number of steroids and treatments that took place. And then she could try, maybe try. Danny says, I feel like God's telling us we need to have kids now in this season of our life. I said, I heard the same thing. I said, well, let's ask God to be more specific. What does that mean now? Now now tonight? Now in our youth? Like now this year? Like, wh- what are we doing? You know? And I said, well, this is, we agreed, this is a big decision. Let's ask God to, to be a little bit more specific. So we go off. Three days later, we're praying on our own. Come back together. We're talking. She's like, babe, what's God putting on your heart? And I said, I believe that God wants, to start, wants us to start on this date. 
So I circle on the calendar. She's like, I heard the same thing. Okay. Light the candles. That's the night. <laughs> like, all right. That very date that God gave us was the date that Liliana was conceived. The date. Perfectly healthy, perfectly beautiful, no complications. Doctors couldn't understand how that happened. We did. By faith, we trusted. By faith, we came to him. By faith, we said, I believe that you're going to speak to us, and we're not going to do anything until you say so. God's power. Brody's a different story. Brody was born, came outside the womb, and he was not breathing at all, at all. And I remember standing over him, my mother and I, and I'm just speaking in the spirit, speaking in tongues over here, over him while the nurses were trying to get him to breathe. The little pads, everything. It was so bad that the doctor didn't want Danny to look. Danny was completely oblivious to what was going on because the doctor didn't want to freak her out. Everything's okay. Baby's fine. Baby's fine. <laughs> and you see the nurses over here freaking out. And I'm standing over my son, just praying in the spirit. I look over my mom, and I know she's doing the same. And I just said, God, this is your child. Like, have your way. I trust this is your baby. Boom! Starts breathing. No damage. Perfectly healthy. I tell Danny the story afterward, and she, it's hard for her to believe and fathom. But when that hospital bill comes in a month later, and you're getting charged for resuscitation, resuscitation, all the line items. It's like, wow, he was really not there. <laughs> it's God's power. It's God's power. So good is God's power. So wonderful are his wondrous works. And like I said, it's a process, though. In my life, it's still a process. In fact, in, in 2018, let me, let me say this. When I was 15, I was prescribed uh, a medication for my attention deficit. I had trouble focusing as a kid, and so I was prescribed Adderall. I was on Adderall more than half my life. This medication is known for, yes, helping you focus. It's known to also give you a little bit more energy. It's known to help curb your appetite a little bit. And it's now, it's been wildly abused. By like a, for like a, a party drug and such. But for me, I, I, f- I felt like I really needed it. I like was prescribed it before it became cool in the party scene. Before it became cool and wildly, you know, common in, in, in college campuses for helping you study. Um, or just to party harder that night. Um, 
And there's always, there's never really shame while taking it because I know, I, I believe that it was, it was good for me. And, and I felt very confident that that was good for me. But there was still something there that kept coming to mind that maybe I should get off this. And there's two reasons. God revealed to me, he said, it's, it's good. You can stay on this. You can definitely stay on this. But there was two factors that led to my decision to get off this medication. And you've got to keep in mind, this is a big decision to get off this medication. Because for me, this medication was like, kind of like my identity to a degree. I, I want to stay fit. I want to have energy to focus. I want to have energy to read the Bible. I want to I produce at work. I want to make lots of money. And it was helping. So I thought it was a part of me. And if I give this thing up, Maybe I won't be able to focus. Maybe I won't be able to have energy to work out. Maybe I won't look like I look right now. I want to stay fit. I want to look fit. I don't want to put on a whole bunch of weight. It's just, this is, these are the lies that, the thing, I don't know, just the thoughts that were going through my head. I don't want that. This helps me, God, this helps me get with you more. It's, it's just part of me. I was prescribed it. And God's like, yes, very well, it is good. But there's two factors that kept coming up to me. Factor one in this decision is that this, I, I did not want to give myself or anyone else an excuse as to why I live the life that I live. I didn't want, again, myself to have a crutch to live the life that I live or you to have an excuse to say, well, that's Garrett. He's on Adderall. He works out like he does and he makes those decisions because he's on Adderall. It's easier. He's, a, he's able to focus and read because it's easier. He's on Adderall. Whether you'd ever think that or not, I didn't want it in my heart to say, well, you live the life that you're living because of the Holy Spirit and Adderall. I'd always, I never wanted that to be an excuse, ever. And so if that meant me getting off this medication that I had been on for 18 years, I was willing to do it. And the final factor, the final factor is that I didn't want anything in my life to cloud or to prohibit me from hearing the voice of God. Nothing. That is what I've learned and deemed the most important thing in my life is to be able to hear the voice of God.
And I didn't want anything to cloud that. And I'm after hearing more of God's voice. And if there's something that I was doing, there's a part of me, a weight that I was being held back by, I wanted to shed that by faith that there is a better way. By faith that I'm going to be able to hear more. And so I made that choice to get off that medication. And it's been over two, about two and a half years now. And just as God does, he makes things beautiful and perfect. His way is always better. Always better. Now see, I don't want you to be condemned by that. If you're on that medication, or you're on another medication, I'm not telling you to strip your meds. I'm telling you this story because this is what was up with me and God. And I'm telling you that with him, there's always a better way. And with the Holy Spirit, that can enable and bring forth all that we need. All of it. And that's where I want, the te- I want all the glory to go to him. All the glory to go to God. All of it. He continues to refine this story. He continues to refine me. I've been pa- I mean, I've been pastoring y'all. It's not like this is like some bad, dark, deep drug or medication. It was good for me. It's not good for everybody. But for me, it was a good thing. But God revealed to me that there's just something better. God spoke to me while I was on the medication. I learned a lot when I was on the medication. Like, but he just says, okay, now come on, you can come a little bit, come a little bit closer. I'm going I'm going to teach you a little something different. I told you I was kind of trapped in alcohol abuse. And although I was no longer getting, like, drunk on the regular, I still felt enslaved. Maybe some people can agree to this or relate to this, I should say. But whenever I was in a social uh, situation... You had to have a drink. That's what I grew up in. That's just what you do. That's what culture tells you. Social situation, let's have a cocktail. Dinner, cocktail. And for me, it was, and let's have another cocktail. And have another cocktail. I understand the ways of righteousness, and God says do not get drunk, so I will not get drunk. Sometimes it slipped up, though. And I got drunk. But I continue to have a drink here and there. And although my times of drunkenness got like way less to only maybe just a few times in the year, which is a big deal from where I came from, God revealed to me November 10th, 2019, that I personally needed to let that go. Whoa, 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 this is going to be weird, God. What about barbecues? What about time on a boat? What about Thanksgiving? What about Christmas Eve? What about, what about all these celebratory times where alcohol is there and it's been a part of my life? It's going to feel awkward, God. It's going to be challenging, God. He's like, yeah, but there's a better way. But there's a better way. If you trust me, 
And so that was the last time I drank. That's big for me. The power of Jesus Christ continues to not only show you a, a better way, but enables you to take action on it. That doesn't mean I just made a decision on the 10th of November and then it was just all downhill from there. No, there's temptation that you're faced with. Gary, you want a beer? No, I'm good. Gary, you want a drink? You want me to pour you one? I'm good. I'm I'm be good. I'm be good. It's just with me and God. Don't be condemned if you're having wine, you're having beer, and you're having cocktails. That's your business with God. I'm sharing my business with God. Don't feel condemned. And God's still writing the story. I'm sharing these things with you because you've seen me and heard me talk for a number of years now, more so recently. But I think, I know it is so important for you to understand my story and where I came from. Because it hasn't always been roses. And I'm not up here preaching and talking about a transformed life, being a new creation in Jesus Christ. Because I just read a verse. It's my life. This is what's happened. It's the power of God. He's done it for me, and he will work in your life as well. And you see, this is my story. And it's it's a good story to tell as I reflect. But you have a story. You have a great story to tell you have a great story to tell and God wants you to be intentional about remembering your story and you'll probably say well I I mean I just I'm it's not that like that it's not like that Psalm 23 is a very popular psalm Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We, we, we've heard that, right? There's six verses in that psalm. The sixth verse says this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy are following you. You want to remember the things that God has done in the past, look behind you. Look back at your life. You're going to find goodness and mercy there. Even in the ways and in the times that you've been in some of the deepest, darkest stuff, you're going to look back and you're going to see God's goodness and his mercy right there. And that's just the start of the story. God wants to keep writing that. He wants you to keep trusting him by faith, stepping out. Understanding his plans better. Understanding that there's still a better way. God's not into short stories. Just not into short stories. He wants to keep writing these stories. The Apostle Paul says it like this, and he's talking to the the church, uh, the the Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3, verse 3, he says, 
And you show that you are a letter from Christ. So he's talking to the people. You show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So what he's saying here, he's like, look, he's like, you're a letter from Christ. Your life, your heart, the ways that God's been penning and writing stories for you to recall, stories of deliverance, victory, like your life is a letter. In the Bible, there's these things called epistles, the church epistles, uh, pastoral epistles. Epistle means letter. So it's like we, in Scripture, read these letters from God. Your story is a letter from God. It ought to be, you ought to see it like, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians, you got Thessalonians, you got Galatians in there, you got 1 Peter, you got 1 John, and you got the book of James, and you got David. The letter of Doug. The letter of Pat. The letter of John. The letter of Drew. The letter of Aaron. And just as much as you read scripture, as God is encouraging you to read scripture, to hear about his power so that you can remember the ways he's worked, He also wants you to read and recite your own story. I would like to say it might be just as powerful, if not more powerful, than some of the other pastoral epistles or letters recorded in the book. Because what he's doing with your life is very unique to just you. It's unique to you. And like I said before, what God wants is not only does he want to build you up as you choose to remember the story that he's writing with your life, but he also wants you to confess it, to proclaim it, to make it known, to recite it, to declare it to everybody so that everyone else around you can be strengthened in their faith for the challenges that they're facing. Not only that, He wants you to make generational impact with the stories and the ways that he's delivered. So the only way you can slow the hand of God down in writing a story in your life is just stop trusting him. Like I said, he delivered us, me personally, what, 13 years ago? But he continues to write that story because I'm choosing to trust him. So, if you are sitting there and you're hearing this or you're listening to this, you're watching this, and you have felt a lot of shame or condemnation because of what you've been in, what you've done in your past. Because I understand that everybody's, we all got a different past. 
okay? I understand that no matter what you've been through or what you're currently in right now, the deep sin that you might be trapped in right now, I want you to understand that there's one who is inviting you. And his name is Jesus, Jesus Christ. He's inviting you into this life of freedom, very tangible freedom, where there's no sin, there's no condemnation. And I want you to know this, that in this house, this is a safe place, okay? You know that shame thrives in darkness, just thrives in darkness, you don't want to talk. When I wasn't talking about those things, I just kept it in, and it's just like the shame just continues to multiply. Just continue to multiply. You know why? And I, 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 got, I got even more condemned because I come to church or I do, you know, some holy things, but then I'd still be living like a hypocritical life. I'd still be doing the things that I was doing. And with that comes shame and condemnation and judgment. So what I want to tell you is, it's okay. There is no judgment here. As God has called us to operate here in this life, it is as if we are representing the kingdom of heaven to everybody. Representing. And in the kingdom, there is no darkness. It's light. So that means there's total transparency. Total transparency when you come in. And I want you to know this, that it is a safe place for you to be able to talk about the struggles, the issues, the sins, temptations, the addictions, the abuse. It's okay to talk about those things. Be honest, though. See, we have a healer. We got one who has a solution. So you can talk about those things. You can come as you are. There's no like, well, you have to put on your, Christian, your Jesus face here. Like, it doesn't work like that. You come as you are, but here's the thing. You just can't stay the same. And it's not up to you to do it. It's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The chain breaker. The one who has authority over all things. Every name that's named. Fill in the disease, fill in the sickness, fill in the abuse, fill in your past hurts and the sins that have come against you. No stories, no situation is too big for the Lord to heal. You got a great story. I encourage you to take time as I was thinking about this this week it was challenging for me to think about and I just shared with you obviously a couple things I don't even know where we're at on time here Um, but it was challenging to recall some of those things it takes effort it takes work to say God yes I remember that I remember that I remember that you've got a great story to tell and it needs to be heard it needs to be heard Heavenly Father I love you and I'm just so thankful for your hand of deliverance Thank you, God, for the power of Jesus Christ, the one who set us free. And, Father, I just thank you for continued deliverance. I thank you, Father, for uh, just your power to continue to flow through us, Father. And, Father, I I just bless everybody here in the name of Jesus Christ that they would just be encouraged, they would be blessed. 
and that the door would be opened up on shame and darkness so that you would be able to come in. Because I know, Father, that if we just give you an inch, if we just give you a centimeter, you'll take it 10,000 miles. God, I love you so much, and I thank you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord, I pray. Amen. Love you guys.